subatomic gigantic occasion was a sweep in Japan nation when along came a dude with an ultra attitude, a common Morado, the greatest kicker of Japan. And of all man. Last you short now, baby. To not talk big now, baby. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to a brand new episode of Kaiju Conversation. I'm your host, Elijah, and joining me as always, my lovely co-host and editor. Hello, I'm Rex. And we are back at it again for another lovely, amazing episode coming right at you. We are now officially in July as of the upload for this episode. But not the recording. My Not the God. recording, if because between your uh, scheduling conflicts, uh, my vacation, and just the fact that we have been weekly for the last like three months, accidentally, <laughs> accident, yeah, because April and May were planned. June was not supposed to be weekly, but it kind of fell into place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, minus one week. We did have a week off, did we not? I believe so. Or, I did. Yeah. Yeah, because we did the Kaiju and Cowboys interview the last week of May. Then we had the first week of June off, and then we did Princess Blade, and then we did Shin Kamen Rider. Uh, no. We didn't have – I mean we had a week off of recording, but we, we still had episodes coming every week. Oh, yeah. I know. So that's pretty good. Um, and here we are in a new month. This is the beginning of our Kaiju Month in celebration of G-Fest, which is occurring the second week of July, that I will be attending and paneling at – and probably streaming, if we're going to be honest, it'll either be a Kaiju Conversation Live or a Kaiju Kim or a Monster Island Film Vault or a Kaiju Ramen Stream. I don't know, but mm. I definitely know all of those are potential candidates to what I will be doing. Um, Your presence is unpredictable these days. It, it is. It is because I ended up doing two streams for All Monsters Attack. I did a Kaiju Conversation Live and then I did a Kaiju Weekly stream so we'll see what happens um we very well could do a kaiju weekly stream on sunday celebrating uh g-fest talking about it and then maybe doing an after party on kim's stream or you know whatever or maybe just a hype i might i might do one at the beginning of g-fest as a hype for kaiju conversation live i, d I don't know yet i don't know yet um but yeah, we we're at the fourth. This will be four. July is our fourth month of being weekly because we do have episodes planned every week this month. In honor of G Fest, we have labeled it Kaiju Month. So finally, we'll be talking about Kaiju, like our name suggests. It feels like it's been forever. It really does. Like when you when you break it down, and we 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 did this the other day. Uh, when you break down our episodes, we've only talked about Kaiju seven times, I believe. As of this recording, it'll be seven times. <laughs> like, as the main topic this year. 
And it's weird because this is the year of Kaiju Conversation that we've been dubbing it between our monthly live streams, our weekly uploads, our bonus episodes, our bonus content and whatnot. We've been producing a lot of content. Yeah. Most of it's not been about Kaiju. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's been about Tokusatsu. Which which has been interesting, and I, I am excited to see where this goes. Obviously, this month you're going to get four kaiju-filled episodes talking about different subjects, mm-hmm. um, which I, I'm, I'm excited to see where this this leads. Mm. Um, We've got granted, an we already, collection. <laughs> we do. We do. We have a very wide variety, which I'm excited about. Mm. Um but you'll just have to stay tuned to see what all we talk about this month as as we never like to reveal what yeah. we have in our cards. Um but starting off, I think we've got a pretty interesting selection here for this first one. But before we go into that, we got to we got to do our our, you know, typical uh, room service cleanup, housekeeping exactly. So, Rex, how have you been, man? Uh we're we're actually recording this a day earlier than we typically do on our schedules. Yeah. So it feels a little weird because it's been <laughs> less than a week since we've recorded. Mm. Um so, you know, how what what's happened in, in the less than a week than that we've uh been uh, not podcasting. Not too much in particular. I mean today I went out for a nice walk with some friends. <laughs> I saw you posted on your uh personal accounts a video of, of a turtle. <laughs> I I had to reply Gamera. Yeah, don't worry. I had that thought too. <laughs> or maybe Toto. Maybe. Toto. Yeah. Yeah, Toto. I say Toto. <laughs> Speaking of turtles, I've thought about getting some pet turtles. Oh, They're, yeah. Because, I mean, all you have to do is like once a week clean out their, their uh, what is that tank? I guess yeah, their tank, their ecosystem, whatever you would want to dub it. Their habitat. Um, <laughs> their habitat. There's a good one. Uh, you only have to do that, and then like you just throw some food, and and they just kind of fend for themselves. Yeah, I've um, considered getting uh like a like a blue tongue lizard myself. I think that they'd be nice. And the only reason I'll is like I'm like I I I would would hate because I'm never home. I'm really never home because, uh, you know, I'm I'm working actually this week. My final like worked hours is going to be for this pay period, which is uh, two Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Um, so like last week, Saturday through Friday yeah. and then this last Saturday up until today uh, for me, which is Friday. I think it's Friday for you as well. I think we're actually in, in the same time zone or same yeah. day finally. Yes, we are. So from last Saturday to today, I worked 106 hours. Mm -hmm. Oh, which 100. Jesus, that's 53 hours a day. That's over two straight days. That's actually that's. uh... Let's see, 24 times 3 would be 68. So that's about 11 hours shy. 10 or 8. 106, so that'd be 4. 
and eight. So 12 hours. That's 12 hours shy of three full days. Jesus. Yeah. I have a very nice paycheck, but I've not been at home. And when I did have days off, I was either running around getting errands done for G-Fest, working on cleaning my car, um, buying stuff for my house, cleaning my house, or working on my short film or whatnot. So, Mm. like, because of how busy I am, I I don't really have time for, like, a cat or a dog or a, a bird but like a turtle would, you know, turtles don't really need that TLC. They just, they have their own home. Like they, they, they walk around in their own home. They're pretty, pretty well happy wherever they're at as long as they have food and water and a nice mm. spot to bask in, in some heat. Mm. So, sorry, I kind of, I detracted things from what you Not were talking worry. about, but, but we, we were talking about turtles <laughs> and I would absolutely name my turtle Toto. As would I if I ever had one. I have a or turtle camera. <laughs> or Tippy. Isn't that, that the That's what the turtle that the boy in Gamera the Giant Monster named his his turtle who he thought turned into Gamera, right? In the dub? In the dub yeah, I think so. Oh. I feel like he had a he had a different name for the turtle in the Japanese version, I think. I could be crazy. But like that would be an it would either be Toto or or what the kid called his turtle in the first film, right. which would be a deeper cut. I feel like because nobody <laughs> really talks about that kid. Yeah, but they do talk about the Kennys. <laughs> they do, they do. So what else have you been up to, Rex? Any Tokusatsu you've watched or? Ah, uh, yeah, I've been watching a bit of Ultraman Max and V Free again. Haven't had too much time to watch them, but yeah. Still trying to make some time for them here and there. Um, gotcha. I got, uh, actually watched the uh, uh, the first of the Akio Jisoji directed uh, episodes of Max, so that was pretty nice. Cool. Nice. <laughs> How was it compared to like Kaneko's and Mike's? Um, I would say that the first episode directed by Mike, um, and that. Akio Jisoji directed episode are probably the two best of a show so far, like in terms of okay. direction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like for Kaneko, he does have like one or two episodes left that I need to watch, but um, so far, I actually feel like this might be his most plain kaiju work, to be honest. I mean, to be fair, he's only worked on four kaiju movies and then the Max stuff. Yeah, but this is just like, I feel like it's the most, they're the most the weakest. Like standard episodes of the show so far. Oh. In my, at least so far. I've, I've just found them like fine, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, the first episode or two that he did, which which were like the first two episodes, they were pretty all right from what I remember. Mm-hmm. The Antler episode he directed, I think, was okay. It did have uh, uh, a Sagi from the Gamera trilogy in it, which was cool. Oh, that's that is really cool. Yeah, she makes a guest appearance in that episode. Ultra Seven oh. also makes a guest appearance in one episode as well, which was cool. Spoiler alert! Oh, sorry. <laughs> Interesting. So, real quick, you you brought up how it's kind of his weakest kaiju work. 
mm-hmm. I kind of feel bad because like I feel like with the Gamma trilogy, he got better as he as he you know produced those movies. The right. Guardian of the Universe is is good. Legion is great, and then Iris, and then Iris is, is ma- amazing, incredible, yeah. But then personally, GMK is okay. I love GMK. <laughs> Maybe it's good. I, I I have to rewatch it. Maybe it's good, but I for one am not a fan of Toho's studio meddling. I feel like that really hurts the film. I do agree that Ghidorah. I think it's more Mothra who fits the least. I actually think Ghidorah kind of fits okay in the film. Ghidorah but feels I, more natural. I still am not a fan of that iteration, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I. I'm fine with it, but like I definitely think that it would have been better if they went with Anguirus and Varan, obviously. I think everyone kinda agrees. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that the original plan made more sense. Yeah. But for what it's worth, I think the film still works really well. I think it's one of like the best Ghidorah designs. Uh, I think the Mothra design is also one of the best. And you know, I, I really do like the two leads of gmk as well now let me ask you this would you because i feel like i would put gmk below the three gamera films again i i have to rewatch it i haven't watched it probably in two to three years Mm -hmm. um but i feel like i might i might put gmk below his trilogy of gamera you see for me here's the thing gmk is one of the movies i've watched the most amount of times in my life right like it is the only movie that it comes second to is Final Wars and maybe Jurassic Park. That's it. Those are the only two movies that I've seen that I've maybe seen more times than GMK. Not even I've like seen... Alien or Aliens? No, I've seen bro, I've seen GMK so many times, like through my childhood. Um because that because that one in Final Wars used to just be on repeat, basically <laughs> every couple <of> weekends. <laughs> you were that it, edgy it, kid. Was I, hmm? You were an edgy kid. I mean, I was an edgy kid, but like still I, are. Jim K and Final Wars weren't because they were edgy. It was just because they had tons of cool action. <laughs> Fair enough. So. I, I don't want to dive too much into it because this isn't talking about any of the Gamera films or GMK, but where would you like, would you put GMK below the trilogy or would it rest in between one of them? Uh, again, I've got that nostalgia. So like it would, it would be either, it would be honestly with Iris, maybe, maybe a bit below Iris. Cause I do think Iris is like a better executed film. Mm-hmm. I mean, visually both, Visually, I'd say both uh, Gamera 2 and Gamera 3 are better executed mm-hmm. than GMK. Like GMK has some, like com- a, lo- a fair lot of composite shots that haven't aged too gracefully, for example. Right. I don't think they're too bad. They're, they're like a massive improvement over, say, Godzilla 2000s. Right. But um, even still, they're, they're still not great, nonetheless, some right. of those shots. Yeah. Okay, and then you so, but you would put like his Ultraman Max episodes as probably bottom of his kaiju work. Yeah, because... I I don't think they're bad. It's just I think they're bland. Gotcha. Yeah. Whereas, so whereas Mike and Jisoji's episodes stood out, 
a lot more so far. Even the Mikkei episode, I wasn't really huge on. Mm-hmm. Like that one still, I think, was a lot more memorable. Mm-hmm. But even then, in saying that the Antler episode and all that were still, they're, de- they're, they're decently solid Ultraman episodes nonetheless. Right. Okay. And since then, Kaneko hasn't done any kaiju work, if I remember correctly. Not that I'm aware of. He might have directed some episodes of like Neo Ultra Q. I could be wrong. I don't wrong. think he did. I, I could be wrong. I really want to say that since then, because I mean, ob- he wanted to do a Gamera film, obviously, but that yeah. that got canned. But yeah. Oh, he did Ultra Q Dark Fantasy. Oh, he did? And like. Some, like, 40th anniversary Ultraman special. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Outside of Max, though, and V3, I also recently, just the other day, watched uh, a Takashi Miike film, actually, speaking of him. I'm trying to think what you... I watched... I'm trying to think what you might have watched. Oh, Yeah. Can you give me a subtle hint? Oh, subtle hint. Um, it is well regarded. Okay, so it's going to either be Ichi the Killer audition or it's got to be one of those two. Am I, will I not confirm nor deny? I'm hot, am I? Aren't I? Have a guess at what film you may think. It I is. have a fifty-fifty shot here. What What do I get if I if I guess this right? Absolutely nothing. Perfect. I love that. Um, I feel like you've already watched. You You've watched Itchy. You've talked about Itchy. I don't know if you've watched Audition. <laughs> is Audition your final guess? I'm gonna guess Audition. Well, you are correct. Let's go. But I have not seen Itchy the Killer, no. Oh, you haven't? I thought... No. I guess you've just read up on it, because I swear I've heard you talk about it. Oh, I, I've I've wanted to watch Itchy the Killer for some time. I've mentioned it to some people. Like, I've probably talked about it with you. I've definitely talked about it in, like, the server. So... <laughs> huh. Yeah, I watched Audition. Rented it uh, on Apple TV, of all things. Was it the first time you've seen it? Uh, yes. Okay. Never seen it before. So I was right there. What'd you think? Oh, I really liked it. I really, really liked it. <laughs> See, I I remember I was telling one of our mutual friends that I haven't. I I I'm kind of in the mood to say I refuse to watch anything that is like mainstream Mike. Besides one this call, I feel like that's the only one I've watched that like everybody knows that me K did, um, mm. which which is exclusive to Itchy the Killer, audition and one this call. Mm. But why, I, why do you refuse to watch those? I don't know. <laughs> I just, I kind of want to just watch his other crazy stuff before I watch his normal, normal oh, before. I don't know if I'd call Audition Richie <laughs> the Killer normal. There's Man. kind of a reason Mikkei is known for both of those films. This is true. <laughs> if anything, One Missed Call is probably the most normal out of the three. This is true. And, yeah. 
So I like I've watched most of his stuff that is toku related. Mm-hmm. Um you know I've watched like Full Metal Yakuza, One Miss Call, Blade of the Immortal, the first Great Yokai right. War, both Zebraman movies. And I think I've watched a handful of others. Um right. I don't have my stuff in front of me so I couldn't confirm nor deny. Um mm. So I've watched a little bit. I've seen bit. a few of his films as well. So I've been trying to watch more of his work recently. And yeah, I'm actually quite enjoying it. Like these last two uh Mikkei films I've watched, Audition and Katakuri's, uh have probably been my favorites, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Huh. See, I know that they're also some of his wilder works too. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd say Audition. It's it's a lot more restrained than you'd expect from Mikkei. Yeah. But it also makes the ending a lot more impactful, I'd say. Okay. Okay. Because, like, most of the film, like, the first hour or so is largely a drama. <laughs> right. Okay. Interesting. So, oh, and Jin Kunimura plays a prominent role in it, so that's always good to see. In Audition? Yeah. He's not the main character. He's, like, uh, like... The side he's, character? Yeah, he's like the main character's like best friend. Okay. Or like co-worker or something. Well, now I'm I'm kind of thinking about watching it because I, I love watching Jun Kinemura. Hmm. Oh, he's always a great face to see in, in uh, Japanese films. He is. <laughs> oh, and Kanji Suda's in it too. <laughs> really? Yeah, he plays a bartender. I don't think he gets any lines, but he's just there. For a couple scenes. Hey man, it's better than nothing. <laughs> so yeah, again, bes- another face I love seeing. Right. Besides uh, audition and what you've listed, anything else, or has has that been pretty much it? Um, I think that's more or less it. Other than one little film that you were supposed to watch that I hope you watched. Um, let's see here. Well. I guess we can move on to what I've been doing for the last few days. Uh, yeah. So, like I said, I've been working a ton. Um, I've also uh, recently got a, sh- a shift change uh, at mm-hmm. work. So now I get to leave work early on Sundays, which means I am starting to uh, live stream with oh. my fellow Kaiju Ramen uh, members. We do Kaiju Weekly, uh, as some of you might be know. Some of you might know uh, the podcast Kaiju Weekly was a weekly podcast that we kind of have taken their stole their thunder um, for the <laughs> last few months. Um, Hell yeah! But our friends Travis and Michael uh, ran that podcast, and about six months ago, I want to say they ended it, and that was because. Travis was running Kaiju Weekly, Kaiju Ramen, Henshin Men Podcast, which was a weekly podcast talking about Common Writer 1971, and also trying to have a social media presence on Kaiju Weekly, his personal account, the Henshin Men, and uh, the Kaiju Ramen accounts. So that 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 was a lot of work. Yeah, and then. Uh, Michael was doing Kaiju Weekly, Kaiju Ramen, and the Power Trip podcast, which he uh, co-hosts with Nathan Marchand, who is the co-host of Henshin Men. 
So they were doing a lot of work. And on top of that, uh, Michael is a member of Collect All Monsters. So they do, I think it's monthly live streams. So he was doing that. And then on top of that, just that social media presence there. So Hmm. they were doing a lot. And Kaiju Weekly was the oldest of their projects. Yeah. And they had passed episode 100. They had got their groove, but they were also starting to slip on that as they were working on their other projects. And they just agreed to end the podcast. They ended the podcast and it was put on ice. Hmm. While that was put on ice, they were able to focus more on Power Trip, Henshin Men, and Kaiju Ramen. Travis, however, decided to retire from podcasting altogether. So Nathan took control of Henshin Men. Uh, whereas Michael continues Power Trip and Collect All Monsters, which even though it's not a podcast, it's still a monthly live stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, we at Kaiju Ramen have been trying to figure out what else we can do besides web articles and magazines uh, and being interviewed for the magazine about the magazine. What more we could do to produce content? Mm-hmm. And one of those is live streams and videos. So Travis and, and all of us thought about uh, revitalizing Kaiju Weekly, except it would be rebranded into Kaiju Weekly News. So mm-hmm. it's a weekly live stream on the Kaiju Ramen YouTube channel where we go over the news for that week. So now I'm going to be a regular on the show talking mostly about movies and TV as, as that's, I would like to think is my kind of expertise in we, we have like our main headline, which this last week, uh, this is going to date the episode, but we talked about, uh, let's see, what was it? It was the skull Island anime trailer. Oh, yeah. And uh, we we covered other news. But we have our main headline. We have our movies and TV section, which is what I'm kind of – what I oversee. I I keep track of all the new releases, the announcements, whatnot. Uh, Mm. We have a section about toys and collectibles that Michael runs. Kind of he's the head of that one. And then we have our toys – or not our toys, our uh, video games and comics section, which is what Nathan and Travis focus on. Mm-hmm. And so we we uh, all kind of help take turns and, and run the live stream. We we talk about the news and, and uh, just have a good time. It's about an hour and a half to two hours. That's kind of what we aim for when it comes to the runtime. So that's, we, I did that. And then on my days off, um, like I mentioned, I was cleaning my car, getting ready for G-Fest, um, uh, and working on my G-Fest short film. Uh, this week has been uh, heavily focusing on getting audio. So yeah. I had my actor uh, come into my studio here, and uh, we did some ADR, some some uh, line reads and, and some noises. Uh, I've been recording some foliage sounds, some sounds for uh, the kaiju, and uh, so this uh, this upcoming week is going to be focusing on finalizing the video edits 
um, before I do my special effects and doing all the audio, um, mixing that down to a T. Hopefully I can have it done by the end of this coming week because it's due on the 30th of June, which is uh, about two weeks away. So I'm getting pretty close. And then after I get my audio and video done, hopefully within this week, this coming week, uh, I have some particle effects I got to do and then some some brief animation as well. Um, the particle effects, I'm sure I can get done pretty quick and then it's just the animation. So yeah. I'm going to get it's going to get pretty close, but I'm I'm pretty excited. I've got a poster. I've got a synopsis ready. Um, it's all filmed. It's just some animation, uh, editing the audio and editing the video. And it's uh it's pretty much done. So pretty excited. I'm I'm very happy with this short film. Recently I've I've been having like a creative like just desire. I've been we I mean look look at our podcast here. We've been producing content every week, uh, which makes me feel good. I'm working on this short film. I've been doing the Kaiju Weekly News live streams. Uh I appeared on uh a surprise chill with Kaiju Kim stream. I, I cameoed in there for about 30 minutes, uh, which was pretty oh, yeah. fun. Uh, just saying, if you watch that stream, so that stream was going on while I was at work, but I went to lunch about, you know, when, when the stream was about halfway over and I hopped in. So, I had my laptop. I was just streaming like my laptop uh, camera, you know, pretty, pretty, very basic setup. Um, I was just chilling, having a good time. And uh, we were talking, having a good time. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw one of my coworkers walk in and saw that I, I was <laughs> on the on the computer. Now, they, they didn't walk into the room, but they, they walked up. I was like, OK, that's a little weird. And uh, what I didn't know is they went and dared one of my coworkers. Now, keep in mind, I'm actually the boss. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm one of I'm the boss, so they're not they're they're my employees, but I I call them my coworkers. Um, so I'm I'm live streaming. I've got my webcam on, like my mic's on. I'm chatting. I'm having a jolly good time. Yeah. So my coworker is dared to come in and scare me. So, <laughs> so there is a 15 second clip and no, what's funny is you had Kim, Nathan, Travis, Michael, and Danny all on the stream. So I had five people on the stream plus the people watching. Now I'm wearing my earbuds and they have an auto, uh, what what would that be called, Rex? You're the you're the audio guy where it filters out background noise. Um, I don't remember the word for it. <laughs> but um, it it has uh, a software. Noise canceling. Yes, so it has that software where like it cancels out the background noise, which is really nice. So when this happened, nothing went through. Like I'm I'm silent, thankfully. <laughs> but if you watch my little my window, somebody walks into the room. I jump 
very like it's very noticeable i'm jumping and i like turn around and i point at the door and you can hear me say go (laughs) but nobody noticed (laughs) nobody noticed that i did this there was not a comment in the stream i did i think kim does react to it but she doesn't say anything thank god i would have been so (laughs) embarrassed um but it was it was <laughs> now there is a video of me being jump scared by my coworkers and it's it's canon to my fandom interactions so i don't know how to feel about that one <laughs> so you know i did that and and then uh prepped for the podcast and i've been prepping for this upcoming uh kaiju weekly news uh I'm also prepping for an upcoming uh, podcast that I'm going to be guest uh, guest uh, appearing on, hopefully. And, yeah. uh, you know, working on the podcast. Oh, speaking of working on the podcast, we, we just posted our Shin Kamen Rider episode, right? Yes. Uh, which is three hours long. And you would think uh. in those three hours that we would have covered everything, right? We talked about how we watched it. What we thought of it, oh, the have, news. You have another thing to add on that. I, I have another little thing to add. I forgot to tell you. So on my first viewing of, of the film, Shin Kamen Rider, and there's no spoilers here. This is me going. So when I podcast or when I go to see a tokusatsu movie, I open my sunroof up. I roll down my front two windows, connect my phone to the Bluetooth as I always do. And I play music from my pretentious film buff needs his playlist playlist on Spotify. That's what it's called. It's got a little uh, image of Godzilla, the Heisei suit with uh, Kira Ifukube. Mm -hmm. And it's all music from soundtracks. It's either like instrumentals or it's actual songs. And to Shin Kamen Rider, I was blasting uh, uh, Cruel Angel's Thesis, um, (laughs) Masuro Sato music, like the Jaguar Punch Punch song, Give Back the Earth, oh. the Godzilla March. <laughs> that's funny. The the Jet Jaguar Punch Punch from that song. That's from the the singer of that song, the original Kamen Rider theme. Oh, so. he did? Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Because like after because after Hongo leaves, it's originally Hongo who sings the song. Um or his actor. Then after he leaves, it's uh Masato Shimon, the singer of the Jaguar song who takes over yeah and he sings like all the end themes as well oh i love that that just made it even <laughs> better um now here's the thing though on my phone i have it turned up all the way and i have a surround sound bose system so it's really right. loud it's it's got a lot of bass it's when i drive and i have my music up all the way my side mirrors vibrate and my rear view mirror vibrates and i can feel it in my chest yeah so as i'm driving to shin kamen rider which is in the city i have my windows down my sunroof open my phone's turned up all the way and my my car stereo is turned up all the way i'm blasting akira ifakube down the street as as anyone should right and like cruel angels thesis and like all of that stuff is just blasting yeah now i'm wearing sunglasses too because when you're at a stoplight and you're blasting music and your windows are rolled down there is a strong 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 chance 
somebody will roll down their window, turn and tell you to turn your music down. <laughs> they will tell you that you are playing your music too loud and nobody wants to hear that. Mm-hmm. Now, if you wear sunglasses, you can act like you don't see them and you don't have to hear them because the music's too loud. So mm. I'm driving down the street. I'm almost to the theater. I'm like one stoplight and a left turn away. I'm at the stoplight. This car that's been following or like right next to me for the last like five minutes, who's definitely at least heard my bass drop or heard the music, pulls up beside me. And I'm like, I can't turn. I can't look at any vehicles near me because if I do, they're going to look at me and they're going to be pissed. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm just I'm 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 rocking out to I'm pretty sure it's Akira Ifukube. Uh I wanna say it's like the Monster Zero March or it's from Goodor the three headed monster or something. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's your classic da 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 it's it's your classic Ifukube Godzilla stuff. Yeah. And this car, and it's like a white minivan that's i want to say it's like a it's like a honda minivan or something and the backseat passenger rolls down the window now i can see it in the corner of my eye like i see it happening and the person like arms are hanging out heads hanging out they're staring like into my soul yeah and they're saying something I don't know what they're saying because I can't hear them. (laughs) And if they tell me to turn down my – I'm not going to turn down my music so I can hear them. Mm -hmm. But if I turn and look at them, that means they know that I know they're there. Mm -hmm. So then I become an a-hole. But I'm already being an a-hole, so do I want to be like double the a-hole or do I just want to be like the a-hole who's blasting his music that nobody appreciates? (laughs) So I took that one. So this girl is screaming at me, and I'm just staring straight, waiting for that light to turn green as I'm <laughs> blasting Akira Ifakube. And I'm just like, it's going to be over soon. It's going to be over soon. Maybe she was like, is that Godzilla music? And then I would have found my wife. I don't know. But <laughs> I wasn't going to take that chance. So I took the lesser of the two evils and was blasting it for Kube and ignoring everybody. Understandable. And then Everyone when the light turned green, I just hit I hit the gas so like I, I smoked them. <laughs> of course you did. I did. In, in my car named after one of the female characters from Terror of Mechagodzilla. I did. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's an example why people hate me. I blast music. I'm that guy. I'm that guy that you hear at three in the morning driving down the neighborhood and you like you're laying in bed and you just hear this like boom, 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 boom. And you're like, oh, my God, why are they playing their music so loud? It's three in the morning. I'm that person. Honestly, there's a lot worse people who do it. So at least you're playing good music. This is true. When it's. Godzilla and a cruel angel's thesis, I suppose. Dude, I love blasting a cruel angel's thesis. I uh, 
on my way here tonight, my best friend was coming back from his girlfriend's. So he's on the opposite end of where I'm driving, but we're, we end up at the same stoplight. And I am blasting Cruel Angel's thesis as I drive by him. And I'm like, I hope to God he knows this is me. It's my car. He's heard this song only by me. And I give him a hand gesture that a best friend would give his best friend. Mm -hmm. But he didn't notice. (laughs) I was like, bro, only I would play that song at 11 o'clock at night on a highway in that type of car doing that hand gesture to you as I drive right in front of you. But he, he didn't know. He didn't know. So it was a, it was a little accident. Yeah. But I also watched some Tokusatsu. Oh, what did you watch? So, uh, you're going to love these titles. I, I watched some, some high quality, not like me checking the runtime every five minutes. Tokusatsu. Oh, sounds banging. So I watched the not softcore porno. Oh, that's the way to start this. Super Dimension Odyssey Trita, which is this low budget uh, 70-minute film uh, that's kind of inspired by like Toei Henshin Heroes. It's a... Uh, this princess from another planet, she's stuck on Earth with this villainous organization, much like that of like Dark or Shocker, um, right? That is wanting to get these two little uh, crystals to have the ultimate sword that she's destined to have, and and it's 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 kind of boring and awful because there's like a ten minute sequence where they're just whipping her, and. <laughs> I brought up how it's kind of a soft core, and that's because she's literally wearing a bra and underwear and then like a maid's outfit. But the maid's outfit is like <laughs> very, very revealing. So, you know, it, you know, it is what it is. As expected. Yeah. Um, following that, I watched a film that I feel like is 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 sounds just peak cinema, like Martin Scorsese like would Oh yeah. Like die of like how amazing this sounds. So was this Transformers the movie? No, no, no. It's a zombie self-defense force. Zombie self-defense force. So it's about an, an alien spacecraft that uh, land, or yeah, it, it crash lands. And when it crash lands, it sends off this like shock wave that resurrects all the dead bodies in a forest. And those dead bodies go after these this Yakuza uh, member, this uh, pop idol, and then some uh, self-defense force personnel. Very mm-hmm. much like Versus. Like I'm watching this movie. I'm like, this, this is basically Versus, except a little different. But it did have a cool cameo that I noticed. And it's oh. – so when you're – when you watch Japanese movies – and there's this one American that typically is wearing glasses and has like dirty blonde hair, but a receding hairline. Nine times out of ten, it's Norman England. <laughs> and I say that like out of the, the kindness of my heart. That's not a jab. So after while watching this, I'm like, wait a minute, that looks like Norman. 
so I took a photo and I, I tweeted out, well, I don't know this. I don't know, but this looks kind of like a wild Norman England in my zombie self-defense force movie. And he actually responded and said, oh, God, well, spoiler alert. And he uh, sent a photo of him doing a selfie with some makeup that he definitely never had in the movie uh, with <laughs> one of the actors. So that's pretty cool. Uh, but beyond that, I also, uh, in preparation for this episode, uh, while I was doing my research, I found out that this is in fact, uh, this company that made this movie, this was not their first kaiju film in air quotes. Um, so Nikatsu, uh, has been mislabeled to only produce one kaiju movie, which is very inaccurate. Um, very, very inaccurate. We covered one of their films earlier this year, which is a kaiju film. Granted, it was a co-production, yeah. but Death Kappa was Nikatsu. Um, <clears throat> so back in the early 1900s, Nikatsu produced a lot of short films. And one of their short films, Goketsu Jiraiya, Jiraiya? J- oh. J- J-I-R-A-I-Y-A. Yeah. Jiraiya. Uh, yeah. translates to Jiraiya the Hero, released in 1921, is a short 20-minute silent film uh, that actually had some men in suit, uh, kaiju, uh, human-sized monster stuff. Uh, so I actually was able to track it down, and I watched it. So, um, Rex, if you want me to, I, I took some notes on some stuff I noticed if you want to hear kind of what I sure. had to say. So... This is what I got as the synopsis. Uh, a ninja who has magical powers explains, uh, tells these people he met, uh, meets about his fight against this lord of this town, I'm guessing. it's None of it was subtitled, and it's silent, so I'm kind of lost. It takes place in the Meiji era. Mm-hmm. Um, during the short, he transforms into a frog, and fights. He uses a lot of magic, teleportation, and whatnot. Um, yeah. And eventually, he does. He does win, and he does become the hero. Uh, right. Like I said, it's very. It's a silent twenty-minute short. It's very much inspired by Kabuki plays. Uh, this was early on in Japan's uh, film life, so mm-hmm. it's very inspired by Kabuki theater, which is probably the. It is. It's the basis for Tokusatsu. Kabuki plays mm-hmm. was the basis for Tokusatsu, and you actually see that a little bit in uh, Ashura. Uh, when we covered that film, there's a there's a section of the movie that covers our main character being a Kabuki actor, and in it yeah. he does ride a monster um, in the play. I believe it is a giant frog, if I remember correctly. Yeah, something like that. So, and and once you, like, Kabuki plays is is where Japan's theatrical arts really uh, took place. And something about Kabuki is it's very overdramatic, something that Mm -hmm. has carried over into film. A lot of people criticize Kabuki for that, but I never had an issue with it. Um, Mm -hmm. But in the film, everybody's very, like, big with their actions and the fights which was really cool to see um they do use men in suit uh monsters for the the toad and the toad kind of so would this technically be like the first 
men in suit monster then? So, yes. And I was going to bring that up. So, in 1933, you had the Great Buddha Arrival, which right. is the f- first in air quotes kaiju movie. Mm-hmm. To my understanding, before that, the first tokusatsu movie, in air quotes, was 1925's A Page into Madness. Now, that might have been yeah. the first full-length tokusatsu movie, which I own. I still need to watch it. Um, but this predates it by four, year, uh, four years, being 1921. So this might be the first instance of Men in Suits. Um in in a film outlet mm. for Japanese cinema. I don't know. I definitely would like to keep looking to see if there's anything predating 1921. Um, yeah. As of currently, though, like, it doesn't seem like there is. Because, like, as far as I knew previously, like, the only, like, the earliest two films I'd known of that did, like, Suitmation or guys in rubber suits were Godzilla and uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Well, you also have – now, granted, it wasn't giant, but you had uh, Kingu Kongu in 1933, the short film that played oh, before. Those, uh, those would have been men yep. in suit, wasn't they? Yep. Oh, yeah. That's and, true, actually. And then you, and that was in 1933 playing before King Kong in Japan. Yeah. Um, and then in 1938, you had the two-part serial King Kong appears in Edo. Um, so, yeah, those those definitely predate Godzilla and Creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, mm. And then, you know, uh, Jiraiya the hero would predate King Gukongu and King Kong appears in Edo. So, but one, I, it was weird because, so when I see a frog in a men in suit format, I immediately think of uh, the magic uh, serpent or uh-huh. uh, Toei's Red Shadow television show, which was adapted into a compilation movie known as Ninja Scope, The Magical World of Ninjas. Um, mm-hmm. Both of those use the same toad suit. So that was kind of <laughs> funny um, seeing that there's also uh, a snake and a slug. They look pretty bad compared to the toad. Um, the toad also like, changes sizes once it's like really tiny and then it also becomes like big and eats a person um mm-hmm. there's also a really cool uh i know they highlighted this in a pageant madness with Subaraya's compositing with fades and whatnot but in it there's a sh- sequence where the ninja fades from the scene which i thought was yeah. really cool um it's obviously like a, a composite shot of one being the ninja standing there and then the other being the other character standing and that back where the ninja is, that shot dissolves as the new shot is overlaid. But Mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool that that was done in 1921. Um, Obviously like that's a really, really easy thing to do now. Like it just takes about two seconds and you can do it in premiere pro but, you know, back then they would have to overlay two films, uh, two, like, film strips. They'd have to uh, use their magic to to fade it. So I just thought that was really cool. Um, yeah. Most of the 20-minute short takes place in a fight in the snow. Um, there's a fight where the ninja 
and two other people plus uh, the Lord's men are all fighting in this snowy setting. Um, this is where the toad eats the person, the snake appears, the slug appears. One interesting thing I wanted to note about uh, this, and this is really it. Um, this is kind of the last thoughts. Because after this, he the ninja wins, and they kind of celebrate, and then it, it ends. Um, but during the fight sequence, something that I thought was just interesting was the camera never cuts. It's just mm-hmm. this long shot, and it's a fixed shot. The camera does not move. The camera is stuck to view it from a front perspective, like you're watching a play. Mm-hmm. Um. It's like the camera's the audience, and then you're watching the stage where the ninja and the other two are fighting the Lord's men, changing and, and like trans uh, teleporting and transforming into the snake and the slug and the frog and eating people. Um, and everybody's like doing the kabuki moves. There's even a moment where the ninja uh, kills two men and they run up to the camera. And, like, they put their hands up like they're in agony and then fall over. Like, it's very stylized. And it was just really cool to see that and feel like you were watching a play. Because something about a play is you can't do, like, movies. Something that movies have done to actors is they've made it so actors could be more subtle. Like, the little Mm. things help in a movie. But when you're on stage and the audience is sitting in the house watching you up on stage, you have to be big with your motions. You can't be tiny. You can't be subtle. Everything has to be big. That's the difference between a stage play actor and a film theatrical actor. And that's why it's sometimes hard to cross over those mediums. So it was really cool just to see like them utilizing that stage acting in a movie very much in the style of Kabuki plays. So mm-hmm. I watched that Tokusatsu movie. Um, and like I said, that, that was produced by Nekatsu. Uh, so that was their one of their earliest. I think that is actually their earliest Kaiju-ish movie. Um mm-hmm. And then I watched another movie. I think Nikatsu did it. Oh, really? Yeah, but God, Do you know the name? You know, I've been talking about these other movies that I, I kind of forgot about it. I don't remember what it is. <sighs> that is horrifically disappointing. You should really. Yeah, you, you were talking about how earlier you had like a checklist and all that. You should write down the movie on your checklist. Hmm. I think it would be a great idea. That might be a good idea. I'm going to ask you about that next week. I'll I'll see if I can remember to do that. <laughs> you better. Oh God, what was it I watched? <sighs> well, it was kaiju related. We know that. Yes, yes, it was kaiju. I think Nikatsu did it. Yeah. <sighs> it was early enough that people thought it was their first kaiju movie. Mm-hmm. 
But what was yeah. it? I don't know. Was it? Hmm. Well, there aren't too many other options, so I'm going to guess Gappa, the Trifibian monster. Gappa! Oh. It was Gappa! Also known as monster from a prehistoric planet. Which makes no sense. Yeah. What planet? A prehistoric one. Earth? Earth. Well, I, I, I guess, I guess, you know... I guess Earth was at one stage a prehistoric planet, so maybe it does make sense. But in the in the movie, they never established that they're dinosaurs. Uh, it's sort of implied, sort of suggested. It's well, I mean, it brings up that the bones that are that are in the cave where the Gappa reside are, are dinosaurs. But I mean, a prehistoric creature is not necessarily a dinosaur. This is true. This is very true. It's like you have prehistoric mammals, prehistoric fish, prehistoric amphibians. Prehistoric men. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess you're right. Maybe maybe it maybe it's like a metaphorical prehistoric planet. Like not an actual different planet, but like it's just Earth. No, it's just monster from Earth is too boring. You know, you you are right. I was trying to come up with like a, a worse title, but honestly that that's pretty bad. Exactly. So yes, we are covering Gappa the Trifibian Monster from 1967, released April yes. 22nd. Funny thing, too, to point out here, this is episode 67, we're covering a movie from 1967. Oh, oh. Yeah. That was another happy little accident. Another happy little accident. And uh, so this film, Gappa, came out in 1967 is pre-established. This was like the year of kaiju movies in air quotes. This is yeah. the only time every major studio in Japan produced a kaiju movie. Yeah. You have Toho who did King Kong Escapes and Son of Godzilla. Shochiku hmm. that did The X from Outer Space. Nakatsu obviously did Gap of the Trifibian Monster. And then Toei co-produced with a uh, with Far East Entertainment. They co-produced Young Goody Monster from the Deep, a South Korean mm. film. And you can't forget Dae with Gamera as well. Yes, Dae produced. Uh, this would have been Gamera versus Gaios, That's correct? Cool. Uh, actually, because, yeah, I was going to yeah. say Barugon, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Gauss. Yes, Barugon came out in 1966. 66. Yeah. Which, speaking of Barugon, um. Is it just me, or does it feel like so? Gappa is a is is a movie that really feels like you've seen it already, seen it before. Yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> now, Barugo. dare I say it felt like it was like? I mean, there's one really obvious uh, movie uh, that Gappa gets compared to um, that. Yeah, but even throughout the movie, I felt a lot of, I felt a lot of similarities to a couple other films, like even King Kong vs Godzilla, for example. Mm-hmm. So right right away, I since we brought up Barugan, I, I want to talk about this. To me, it really feels like Barugan's story pre Barugan becoming a daikaiju. All of that feels like it's taken from that movie and put in Gappa. Like, 
I wasn't thinking of Barugon when I watched the film, but I guess you're not really wrong on that per se. And like the whole, I don't know if it's not the look, but the mood of the movie definitely feels like Barugon. Oh, um, speaking of the look, I felt the cinematography of the film actually felt um, just like the way, specifically for the drama unit. Yes, very similar to um, just like classic uh, Toho sci-fi. It did. It did. Um, Before we, I mean, I feel like we're diving right into the the, uh, opinions. (laughs) So obviously this movie was made to cash in on specifically the Toho Godzilla franchise. Um, Yeah. And just that kaiju boom in general. Yes. Hell, Subarai was in that year as well with Seven. Seven and uh, the Ultraman compilation movie. There was two yeah. or one that year, yeah. Um, so Nikatsu, but everyone was really on their big game. <laughs> yes. So Nikatsu at the time, if I remember correctly, Nikatsu wasn't doing too well. Mm-hmm. But that had been something that was gradual. The thing about Nikatsu is they were a company known for their action movies they were known as the action movie studio Mm -hmm. but they also paid like they were one of the worst paying um when it came to their actors some uh an actor uh in monsters are attacking tokyo they brought up that nikatsu in terms of of payment it would go toho toei shochuku nikatsu daie um, Nikatsu mm. being one of the worst when it comes to paying their actors. Um, I feel like I've heard that before, actually. <laughs> I, I've noticed that Monsters Are Attacking Tokyo is pretty much the source for most of the info on Gappa. Yeah. So another thing that it brought up was, so the film's funding came by the government, actually. So Nikatsu, yeah. uh, producer... A.C. Kawai? Mm-hmm. Uh, A.C. Yeah, A.C. A.C. Kawai had links. Uh, he had went to school with a politician that was currently in the diet. And yeah. so he used that link to get funds for the film. They actually had a $1.4 million budget. Which but, was a lot more than Nikatsu would usually have, I believe. Yes. Um, it uh, According to, I believe, the writers, it was 10 times the average Nikatsu budget. Um, <laughs> but most of that budget was actually used to pay off debts that Nikatsu had. Oh. Um, Nikatsu also had, like, <laughs> golf courses and hotels. It's kind of funny because the movie talks about, like, this major company trying to, like – use gappa to like make money and pay off stuff and that's <laughs> that's what nikatsu was doing um so awareness like, in the script yeah so like 90 <laughs> percent of the budget did not go to the film and what what would happen oh, is so basically it had regular nikatsu budget in it, actuality it did it did <laughs> so okay the, that's pretty funny so what the deal was was Nikatsu would have that money, and then the returns from the box office would go towards paying back the government. And they were also banking on the acquisition of a foreign distributor. 
which they did right. get. Uh, American International Pictures acquired the rights, but it never went to theaters. It went straight to television. Um, by yeah. this time, it was popular for the non-Godzilla titles to go straight to television. Um, you I had mean, even the Godzilla titles were going to straight to television, at least the ones that came out around that time, like Son of Godzilla. Right, Son of Godzilla, Ebera, Horror of the Deep. Um, Gamma All versus Attack. All Monsters Attack, but that was a UPA title. That was different. Uh, so, you know, it, it was disappointing for Nikatsu when it comes to that because they ended up not getting the money they wanted. And shortly after this, Nikatsu would end up filing for bankruptcy um, and going <laughs> straight to uh, softcore pornos, which is what yeah. Nikatsu is most famously known for by this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, at that time, a lot of the companies, like post-60s, like early 70s, a lot of those uh, Japanese film companies kind of had to tra- make that transition. Tele right. especially is pretty infamous for it. Right. So, I mean, Nikatsu just kind of followed suit with the rest of with the rest of the Japanese film industry at the time. Yeah. And it's kind of dis- so Gap was actually really well regarded in Japan, but Nikatsu oh, really? never produced another kaiju film until uh, they probably did some small stuff, but really their next big release wouldn't be until 2010's Death Kappa, which hmm. I've always viewed as like a spiritual sequel, not sequel, but like remake of Gappa in, in air quotes. Um, so the writers of, of Gappa claimed that the movie was a satire of the genre. Um, so while it was definitely ripping off King Kong versus Godzilla with like the opening with Gappa and the Islanders, especially in the whole like company taking the monster to Japan to like promote it and, and the monsters coming to Japan to destroy it, stuff like that. Um, it was also meant to just kind of be a satire, be kind of this, like this genre is overused at this point and has too many tropes. Um, I'm going to be honest. I never picked up on the satire element at all. <laughs> it, it definitely feels like it's all meant to be serious. Yeah. I mean, the funniest parts of the movie, I don't think are actually meant to be funny. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it's just because, certain aspects of a movie have kind of aged a bit poorly. Right. And yeah, it just, instead of feeling like it's satirizing the tropes, it just feels like it's, it's using the tropes. (laughs) Right. Um, and another reason why I feel like Kappa, uh, death Kappa specifically was kind of a spiritual remake of, of Gappa is in Gappa, obviously, um, there's definitely some influences from the yokai kappa on gappa's design but furthermore there was also inspiration from the hindu uh, uh deity uh garuda which yeah. kaiju fans probably know as the name for the uh add-on to mechagodzilla 2 known as the garuda yeah. um both of those uh, creatures had some influence on the designs for Ka- uh, Gappa. And then right. in Death Kappa, he has that blue atomic breath, much like how Gappa does. Um, I mean, to be fair, blue atomic breath 
where do you think that's really co- coming from? This is true. It is definitely a staple of the Godzilla stuff. Um, but furthermore, I think it also has to do with the fact that Subaraya had a hand in working on the effects for this movie. And mm-hmm. Subaraya used that blue atomic breath look religiously. Mm-hmm. I mean, weren't the effects done by uh, Akira Watanabe? He was the director. Yes, he was the director of the film. Uh, well, not the film, but like effects, the special director. effects. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so there was definitely that. There's even uh, there's a claim out there that Gappa was actually taken from the original design for what would eventually become Ultraman. Um, oh yeah, like the the like that old Bemula design. Yes. Um, yeah. how, however, there's like no evidence to support that. One source I read claimed that they purchased the design from Subaraya, but then I also read that that wasn't the case. Um, it just Akira Watanabe worked at Subaraya with T- Subaraya and whatnot. So not only that, but just because uh, the original design for for the monster was a flatfish or a halibut. I don't really know what that is. I didn't have time to look that up. But it was it was not supposed to look like a Kappa Garuda blend with, with Kaiju. Yeah. Um I mean they went for a few different ideas for what the monster would be as well. Like they have like a giant spider, giant um squid, and like a giant um um flying squirrel, squirrel mm-hmm. at different stages. You yeah, the squirrel was Mamora. Um Mamonra, yeah. The squid which fought Nazis was called Arcticus. Arcticus, I'm going to say. Arcticus. And then the spider was. I'm going to call it that. Gigant? Yeah. Giganto. Giganto. And then uh, there was also the idea of a giant iguana versus Uh, a giant manta ray as a region devil of the seabed. Which. Huh? Raygon. Raygon? Yeah. Okay. So and and that actually that was that script for that idea went the farthest. Um yeah. that was the closest to being produced before Gap Up. And honestly, that sounds like kind of an interesting idea if I'm if I'm gonna be honest. That one specifically I, I was really intrigued with. Yeah. Could have been more original than this film, maybe. <laughs> Potentially. Um so they they went through some some different ideas when it comes to Gappa. Um but lo and behold eventually they did end up on Gappa with uh mm-hmm. like a 10% of the budget that they actually had. Um <laughs> and we had this Ultraman moment? Ultraman uh powered moment. I mean true. Um so the script was written by Nakashini uh, you had Gan um, Yamazaki, and you had uh, Nakanishi. Nakanishi, uh, which wrote it, uh, and they have went based on, on a story by uh, Watanabe, correct? As well, um, and in an interview with uh, that Stuart Galbraith uh, and conducted for Giant Monsters or Monsters Are Attacking Tokyo. He asked them about the Gorgo, clear Gorgo influences. So when we get into the plot and, and we talk about the film, the movie is yeah. about abducting a kid and the parents coming and looking for it. They apparently yeah. had never seen Gorgo. 
so there's no Gorgo influence, but I mean, it's, it is very much like hand in hand. And even, uh, having not seen Gorgo, this, this seems a lot like Gorgo. Right. <laughs> and, you know, there was also the potentiality of the director, Haru, Haruyasu, uh, Noguchi, like taking influence from Gorgo, but apparently he kept or to Watanabe. the script. Or Watanabe. But the director kept the script pretty well. Um, and he averaged about 10, uh, 20 days for filming, but he ended up shooting Gappa in 40. So, like, he took his sweet time on this film, um, mm-hmm. which was quite interesting. Mm-hmm. But that's really all I have on on uh, the, the pre-production here. Um, there's some obvious, like, housekeeping there about the facts and, and what's true and what's not true. Um, yeah. Do you want to start talking about the actual film? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to let you fade uh, start us off here. Okay. Um, so the film starts uh, with a group of a group of people from a sent from a magazine uh, publishing company, as well as a, um, uh, scientists going to the obelisk island uh, with some native people to were they scouting to collect animals was it yes they were scouting to collect animals for their exhibit on a remote south seas island but they were okay. also to my understanding just looking to see what island would work best okay okay I wasn't entirely sure on on what what their goal was. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's it. Now, so uh, during this opening sequence, they're they're on a boat. Mm-hmm. Um, in some shots, it's obvious that the boat's superimposed onto some yeah. footage of the ocean, which I've never noticed in any movie before ever. When it comes to like '60s kaiju. Maybe I'm just crazy, but like that was really weird to see for the first time. Um, but is it just me or like so? This came out in '67, so this was a year after Horror of the Deep from Toho. But yeah. in Toho, it actually felt like a boat they were on. Um, mm-hmm. whereas in this film, it kind of felt like they were on sound stages for all the rooms. Like I don't know, did yeah. you pick up on that? <laughs> Uh, I only picked up on it, like, maybe in, like, that, I guess, crew quarters-looking area with, like, the bunk bed and stuff like that. Okay. But, no, it was just, or, like, in Matongo. Like, Matongo's another one where it's, like, I really felt like I was on a boat, but gap. There was, I think, so, I think what it is, and I'll have to go back to rewatch some of these other Showa films, but I'm pretty sure Toho had it so the camera was rocking a bit. Mm-hmm. Whereas oh, in, yeah. in Gappa, I'm pretty sure the I mean I know in Gappa the the camera is fixed. Um, yeah. There is no rocking until the earthquake. It only that rocks later. when the earthquake. Yeah, yeah. And it's weird that that little detail that Toho would do with like the camera moving was enough to give it that sense of okay, we are on a boat. We're not on a soundstage. Yeah, I mean it's not too big of an issue, but details like that definitely help a lot (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
But no, we're like you said, we're we're introduced to our characters here on this boat. We're given like they're going on to this island. Um, we have our obvious love interests. We have our scientist. We have the yeah. comedic relief, and then we have all the side characters that nobody really remembers. Yeah, it it was God. I could barely even remember the main characters' names. There's main <laughs> characters, allegedly. Ah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into that once we get towards the end here, because I, I have some gripes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I feel like it's obvious that this opening feels very much like it's King Kong. Like, just straight up King Kong. Um, yeah, I got a little bit of Matonga vibes, just because they were on a ship. <laughs> right. Because they, they are going, they see an island after an earthquake. And because there was a song before it, as well. That was it? <laughs> Yeah, there was the credit song. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um. So while they're on the boat, we're kind of given their reasoning and whatnot, and and kind of the dynamic we're going to see. And our yeah. comedic relief character, who's really obnoxious, like really obnoxious. Uh, he's fishing. Why he's fishing? I don't really know. Like, it, what I feel like that's kind of counterproductive while you're on a boat like a big boat because it's not a tiny boat they're they're not on like a yacht like Mm -hmm. the godzilla films they're on like a huge boat like a cargo Mm -hmm. boat and the only time Mm -hmm. you really realize that is when you see the wide shots of the miniature yeah i was about i was just about to mention how it does not feel anywhere near as big as it actually is no and apparently it's big enough where they can house, like, mini motorboats to, like, dispatch yeah. into the water. Um, because that's how our main characters get to the island and back. But it, it never felt that way. Like, and, and that might be another reason why this, this, this boat specifically just didn't feel realistic or, like, real enough that I could be fooled for it. Because it... It feels like it's a tiny yacht, but then it looks really big. Yeah. Um. So it like that felt weird. Um. But while our main character, not our main character, our uh, comedic relief is fishing, suddenly he gets something on the line. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the old man in a '98, and yeah. he fishes up Gappa's parents. Yeah, you see two glowing lights um, at the bottom of the sea, which, you know, it's a, kind of a visual motif uh, a little bit in the film when the two adult gappers show up. Mm-hmm. There's like a glow in the water around them. And just around this time, there's also an earthquake. Yeah. Which is kind of weird. So, like, you would think that they would expect it to be an earthquake, but in all reality, it's the monsters. But yeah. then we find out that it's a volcano on an island that they're wanting to build a resort on. Mm-hmm. Which also doesn't make a lot of sense because the island is, like, not safe. <laughs> like, I feel like, I feel like they were suggesting that they wanted the island to be a the resort island to be a different place because they wanted didn't they want like the native people to like come back so they could move them to the island 
that they, the, the like the resort island. Right. So okay, and and during all of this, there, there's an intercut with the uh, CEO of this magazine company, Playmates uh, Publishing. Yeah, that he talks about this. It's 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 essentially what they were going to do in Jurassic Park too, with like the whole like theme park at, yeah. in San Diego. <laughs> Like there's a, there's a sequence where he's talking to like the investors, and it's exactly what is in Jurassic Park too. <laughs> um, so it's an island where they have exotic animals, and like an outdoor restaurant and a resort, and like uh, one of those like ski lifts that takes you up a mountain. Yeah, but he's, he's also got miniature display for it, like in Lost World. Yes. <laughs> And in it, like, while he's describing it, he says, you can go to this place right here. And I'm like, like, in Japan? Like, it, they don't <laughs> explain what this this is. They don't explain the, the plan. They, mm -hmm. ha they have a plan, but it doesn't make sense. Like, Yeah, cause, and it doesn't really end up mattering in film anyways. Right, because so... Our main characters say, "Oh, this island looks familiar. Oh, this is the one from the from the display that's in the the manager's right. office." Right. Yeah. And so it's like, so is this the island? If so, why are they doing the one with the active volcano that is clearly a lawsuit pending? <laughs> like Maybe the plans get scrapped because of the volcano, but nobody ever talks about it after they leave the island. Once they leave the island, the island is no longer relevant. I mean, I mean, the this the uh, president of the companies probably doesn't even know about it since they don't seem to tell him. This is true. This is very true. Um, the 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 CEO of this publishing company seems to be very ignorant in trusts his people way too much because they don't tell him a lot mm -hmm. and and he just kind of goes with it so yeah. so our love interest characters and the professor and the side characters and our comedic relief they get on a boat motorized boat they go to the island where they're welcomed by some natives yeah very much King Kong versus Godzilla style. And from here on... They're even in, like, very similar outfits. Yes. And <laughs> from here in, like, the the rest of this sequence really feels like it's it's King Kong versus Godzilla, which I think is what you were alluding yeah. to. So I'm going to let you... I wasn't actually alluding specifically to this sequence, but yeah. <laughs> so um... I'm, I'm going to let you take the floor here and kind of explain this part. Yeah, so they interact with the natives who are very uh welcoming to the japanese people more welcoming than usual than you'd usually see in the, these types of movies but it's sort of suggested that they had have already had a history of like interacting with uh like japanese lieutenants and and people like that before i wonder if it had to do with world war Two, when maybe japanese uh military men were stationed on islands and whatnot could be that that could be that could very well be what it's sort of alluding to especially um, the part where they bring up like the lieutenant like the fact they're using military terms yeah yeah so they sort of just interact with the people a bit uh the 
the main female lead, she gets some, uh, she's a photographer, so she takes some photos. Real Brie Larson stuff. <laughs> and, and actually in this, I think it's this sequence where they sort of establish that she, her goal is sort of to be like an independent woman. It's either this scene or a bit later where they sort of establish her goal as like, she wants to be like an independent woman, doesn't really need to be a housewife and all that type of deal, which I only bring up because of the ending. <laughs> yeah. Man, they, they really ruined that one. It, it really did not age well. <laughs> <laughs> well. Speaking of not aging well, yeah, Japanese blackface as well for the natives. I was wondering if you were going to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, so this this falls under the category of Japanese uh, kaiju movies from the 60s that, that uses Japanese actors to represent uh, island, Pacific Island natives. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> this film has definitely aged. <laughs> just like King Kong vs. Godzilla. Yeah. And Mothra vs. Godzilla and... I think Ebra. Ebra Horror of the Deep and yeah. uh um, probably the original Mothra. A little bit of the original Mothra, yeah, and probably a little bit of Ghidorah the Three Headed Monster and uh I, I I Oh yeah, the natives do appear in Ghidorah, that's right. Yeah. It it, it was the sixties was certainly a time. It was a time. It was a time. Um <laughs> But I, I I one thing I do appreciate is they didn't have the natives kick them off the island. I felt like that was an interesting and nice thing to do. Um, oh yeah, be- it was a pleasant surprise to not have to go through the beats of like the natives being like just aggressive against them. Right, like, it's not necessarily a bad beat to have. It makes sense. It's just you know most of these movies sort of have that. Right. <laughs> and the fact that Gappa did not have that, I thought was a really nice detail. Yeah. But yeah, eventually, um, male lead, a reporter character named Kurosaki, at least that's what my notes tell me, uh, Kurosaki uh, and the photographer lady Koy- Koyanagi uh, are talking to this young native boy and he tells him about a what they presume to be a god of the name Gappa. And, you know, there's a statue of Gappa that he wants to show them, and you know, he leads them to it and all that. Now, the I'd... statue does kind of look like a Garuda, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. One thing uh, before we continue I wanted to bring up was that during, like, this sequence, uh, when whenever they're with, like, in the native people's village... Mm-hmm. Did you notice that the film was like really, really overexposed and also kind of blurry in the sequence? Specifically when they're walking to the cave, like through the jungle. Yeah, yes. but even like, but even just like the village a bit as well. I don't remember the village, but I definitely noticed it while they were walking through the jungle where it had that dream, dreamy like. I was wondering if it was like this is an exotic island. It's almost dreamlike. Yeah, but I feel but like that's like a death only, of the author thing. Like, yeah, it's only in the village and like the that jungle bit. Yeah, and then it's gone. So I'm one. I, yeah, it's, it's got to be either one. They were doing like on location shooting, and the natural light was 
clearly Perhaps they didn't white balance properly right <laughs> or um it was and again this might be death of the author like me reading into it like a dreamlike exotic mm. thing i'm ex- i think it's probably the prior more than the latter um, yeah especially since the director was uh during the interview with the writers they brought up that the director was put on um because he was not a very high profile actor or director he was known for doing kind of the like b or c uh movies for nikatsu so he was just kind of put onto this project so it wasn't meant to be like a highbrow like peak cinema like gojira right. or something right yeah um but eventually there's another earthquake when they're admiring the yeah yeah conveniently an earthquake appears destroys the statue and opens up a cave for them that the kid uh, behind the statue that the kid warns them to not to not venture into and as you would expect they ignore him they ignore him yes they enter the kid runs away meanwhile the comic relief character tries to follow them as well as i guess all the other characters although i don't remember them establishing so, so the later other... on they they do establish this they establish oh. this so later on um in the cave sequence uh or no no it's it's right here they uh the male character tells the boy to go get the lieutenant and let them know oh. and then that's when they they decide oh, right. they start following right okay mm-hmm. that makes more sense okay um so yeah they they go into the cave which can i say this cave is actually really well designed like this is probably yeah. the best the best thing in the whole movie is this cave like it's it looks great the cinematography in this movie okay i i want to i want to talk about the cinematography a bit mm-hmm. yeah you brought up how it looks really good in the drama stuff and i agree like it it feels like it's kind of shot like a showa j horror in a way um which might just yeah. be traditional japanese drama um I I got more the vibe. I got more like the vibe of just like classic, just classic Toho sci-fi. Honestly, yeah, I, I was reminded a lot of. To be fair, the color, the color palette of the movie kind of does sort of is sort of helping that. So maybe if it was in black and white, maybe I would have thought something like uh, Snake Girl and the Silverhead Witch or right. something. And to be fair, I've only seen a handful of Showa J-horrors, so... But it definitely feels like more of... Uh, maybe, like, more of an artistic yeah. look. It's, it's it's pretty... It's very nicely shot, this drama stuff, I'd say. Yes. And it's weird because... So, this isn't to knock Toho kaiju movies, but it really gives you the understanding of they were a little more commercial, they were a little more... <sighs> I I don't want to say basic. Um maybe bland with their drama uh cinematography. Uh, I don't know. Even I don't know. I I I wouldn't really argue that. I think the drama stuff in the in Toho sci-fi is pretty good. In Toho sci-fi. It... I'm specifically referring to kaiju. Oh, well I'm sort of including that as well. Okay. Um but um, I mean, there's some films that do it better than others. Like, I think 
say space amoeba is a is a bit above average with some absolutely gorgeous shots in that film for the drama unit here and there but yeah no i i w- i don't know if i'd really say it's like a cut above per se it's i'd just say this is on par on par good stuff <laughs> okay I, I i could see where you're coming from with that um mm-hmm. Admittedly, I, I again I need to go back and rewatch a lot of the Toho sci-fi stuff. Um, yeah, but no, I, I I definitely was like, huh, they they did a pretty good job at like the camera placement. For yeah, I was I was definitely impressed for specifically the the drama stuff. I think the drama mm-hmm. stuff in this shines through visually more so than anything the kaiju bring. <sighs> you see, I feel I feel it's. I don't want to say the kaiju stuff is bad because I actually don't think it's bad. I think it's pretty good for the most part. Mm-hmm. It's just not as strong. Right. Um, but speaking of the one uh, sort of kaiju thing that I'm not a big fan of. Um, so they find, while they're exploring the cave, they actually find a a giant egg as alongside some giant bones as well to be fair there's also like Um, the love plot that starts developing here yeah um yeah with the reporter and the um the photographer being in love uh or having that develop and later it'll evolve into a triangle with uh the professor and the professor and the scientist yeah somehow yeah, that was weird. <laughs> the weird. The weird, yeah. But yeah, they discover some prehistoric bones, which which are suggested to be uh, the Gappa. Oh, by the way, earlier in the fi- earlier in the film when they were exploring the jungle, there's just like a pterosaur. Yes, yes. For some reason, I forgot to mention it. That it's our just comic there relief. in one shot. Yeah, our comic relief finds it um, while he's searching. I thought it might have been a pelican. Like a really weird looking pelican. I mean, it looks more like a pterosaur. It does. (laughs) It it definitely is like, hmm. I feel like this could have been from Legends of Dinosaurs and Monster Birds, but. I mean, it's not used in that film, but apparently it was reused in like another Nikatsu film or something in like 72. Oh, interesting. Amorous family, like a fox and a raccoon, apparently. That's what it was used in. Okay. And apparently part of the prop is also just a recycled bit of, like, the female gapper. <laughs> oh. Supposedly. Hmm. But the egg Oh, no, is... sorry. That's not, that's not what my nurse said. The head of the female gapper also appears in uh, that film. Oh. Which was a Nikatsu Roman porno. Oh. Lovely. <laughs> 72. 72. Oh. Makes sense. Makes sense. Lines up. Makes sense with yeah. the timeline. But speaking of Gappa, we we are introduced to the egg, which is a little weird which, looking, and Im- almost immediately hatches to an even weirder looking uh, baby Gappa. Yes, that has the Godzilla the series yellow goo. Yeah. Um. By this point, I don't like the baby Gappa. I don't like how it looks. It does look baby Gappa looks a little funky. Baby Gappa is a little weird. They say it's cute, but I think the adult gap is a cuter. <laughs> I I really like. Okay, actually, I'm not going to get into the kaiju designs yet. Um, okay, but yeah, there we're introduced to Gappa, baby Gappa. Um, the rest of our crew eventually finds them. 
Uh, there's an earthquake. The love bu- uh, lovebirds go back. They find the comedic uh, relief character. They go back to look uh, after the rest of their their team gets there. They find the baby Gappa. Uh, mm-hmm. The kid's like, no, 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 don't don't mess with Gappa. Gappa, be mm-hmm. angry. Um, of yeah. course, nobody listens. And they so then they uh, they they take the Gappa and put it in a cage somehow. Yeah. They really gloss over this. And then the natives are like, don't do this. Put Gappa back. Gappa be angry. Mm -hmm. They don't listen. And then they take baby Gappa and they go back to Japan. Yeah. Meanwhile, in the cave, the two uh, adult Gappas uh, emerge from the water. Which, okay, I'll talk about the designs now. I really like the 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 adult Gappa designs. They look really good. Oh yeah, I agree. And I love the one uh, detail I really liked was the sexual dimorphism. Yes, yes. Because the male has like a a longer middle horn that, and they're all and all the free horns on its uh, head are more pointed. Yes. Um, it also has a bit of an angrier expression too. I think. Mm-hmm. Whereas the female, it has shorter horns. They're a bit softer. Softer, pointed more downwards, and like slightly, I guess, friendlier looking eyes. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really nice touch. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I noticed. That. I was like, man, I love that. I mm-hmm. love that. And I was actually design. surprised because I thought they, I thought they were just going to look the same, right? <laughs> no, that that there's in this movie. There's some tiny details that work out really well. Um, mm-hmm. and I actually really I like this introductory scene for them. I think the shot where they're first emerging from the water with like the little puppets is a bit weird mm-hmm. because I, 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 I don't think those puppets look good because yes. they used a couple times in the film and yikes. But the actual shot of them, like of both gappers emerging from the water, it's like in close up with them hidden mostly like in shadow. The actual design is in shadows with only really the eyes being clearly visible. Right. I think that's really cool. The scale's a bit wonky. Yes, but... and throughout this film, that's an issue. Yeah, but otherwise, I think it's a, a neat introduction. Otherwise, I agree, and I do like one thing. I think that Gamera did really well um, for the greater kaiju genre is following uh, Dae's first couple of Gamera films. It seemed like they started to take on the idea of glowing lights. Um, yeah. being in the eyes which i really like i think that adds a i think it looks cool it looks cool and it adds a sense of i don't I... fantasy yes um fantasy a, a sense of and like one thing that this movie does that's another subtle detail is when the gappa parents aren't angry their eyes are yellow but when they're angry they turn red that's I think that's actually you might be right actually. They do. It's very much Five Nights at Freddy's the movie. <laughs> um but no, I love that. I love that little yeah, detail. Yeah, 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 you are right actually. I didn't pick up on that, but yeah, actually, thinking back thinking back to it, yeah, their eyes were red of uh during like the rampage sequences, yep. weren't they? Mm-hmm. And it's it's a really nice way to help articulate the motion. Um, mm. with limited ability in facial expressions in suits, the yeah. the, the eye color is is everything. 
Yeah, I mean, on that point, you gotta a deep on that point, like little details like that really help. When, from what I understand, they were very the suit actors, which there were four suit actors for the two adult actors or for the two adult gappers. Um, total, from what I understand, it was a real struggle portraying them because the suits were really stiff. Mm-hmm. And you can definitely Granted, tell they were suits are stiff, but yeah, particularly in the arms, I think you can tell. Yes, I agree. And you know, one thing that I I appreciate about especially Showa era uh, kaiju suits is they didn't have the animatronics or the CGI to like articulate their facial expressions, so mm-hmm. they had to be creative with that. And it mm-hmm. added a level of, like you brought up earlier, fantasy, that, that fantastical element that right. Showa era encaptures. Um, right. Because, like, the glowing eyes, that's never going to be realistic. But going for realism, you just miss out on really cool visuals like that. Right. And that's something that I think Showa era does really well is, is capture the fantasy element that mm-hmm. is definitely lost a bit as the Heisei era and Millennium and, and Rewa have have came in when it comes to this stuff. Um, really, right. I think the best example of the glowing eye still is Subaraya still does that. Um, mm-hmm. Subaraya still uses yeah. the glowing eye effect, which I think is a really good thing that it that yeah. still holds to that that show. I mean, their main, their main hero has that effect. <laughs> right, right. But even the kaiju, um, the only thing that uh, Subarai has done differently with their kaiju is the CGI, like eyes blinking or like pupils yeah. moving. Um, yeah, which is a great idea. That that is perfect on how to utilize CGI for suits. Oh yeah, definitely. And Subarai, I think, has been doing a really good job in stuff like that and really nice visual touches while keeping like that show aesthetic. Right. But going back into the plot, so following this, correct me if I'm wrong, but we cut back to our human characters in the mainland, uh, bringing Baby Gappa to their boss. Yeah, uh, we get a little scene. They're on the boat, and uh, during this, we get a little scene uh, with the boss um, trying to like figure out him and his employees trying to figure out what Gappa is, mm-hmm. since they think it's just some sort of like red big lizard um and we're introduced to uh his daughter and a an un, a, a, something that's brought up and never mentioned again where like the daughter's mother is in heaven so she's dead and you know she wants she wants a new mother <laughs> right she wants like her uh like the babysitter to be her mother right so you'd think you'd get like some little subplot or character development with the uh with like the boss and his daughter but then this is never brought up again. I mean it's touched on at the end but it's really really was really it? I mean they bring up how like the parents want the child and the child wants the parents and that's how it's linked. It's yes, but it's it's barely there. It's more to reconnect them because in the movie, the daughter disconnects from the father. Uh, I guess uh. it, there's a lot of subplots with these characters that kind of don't go anywhere. 
Yeah. Um, and that's because so we have that you know the trying to figure out what gap what Gappa is, and then the the plan of what do they do with Gappa, and how do they go with science, and how do they go with press and the stock market and making money and and all of that succeeding yeah. and everybody having like their success. Um, where we kind yeah. of get the he also kind of doesn't believe them about the whole Gappa thing and like one of his uh one of the guys helping him research is like maybe they maybe they should just bought up like a burnt lizard's corpse or something which he ends up taking <laughs> at face value yeah it's it's a little weird and and we're also introduced to how every character has their motive which is a nice little thing like giving every character mm. their little motive but yeah it does become a little overused when everybody has a motive and it's different and they're trying to develop all those motives, but they clearly don't want to focus on them. Yeah. <laughs> um, which following this, we cut back to the gap, if I remember correctly. Yeah. The two gappers emerge from the cave and end up uh, rampaging through the village. Which, so, I mean, we've already brought up how the scale is off throughout this movie, but... During this sequence, I realized there's another thing that Nikatsu failed to capture when it comes to Kaijuega, and that's the lack of a score. There's only about three or four moments in this movie where I remember there being music. Yeah. Yeah, the, the soundtrack for this is, for what little is there, which I don't really remember any of it, um... It's it's very unmemorable. Yes, <laughs> and and like I outside of like the opening like credits music and like the ending Gappa theme, like outside of that, I don't. What music is there to really associate with the kaiju? You know, right? Exactly. I mean, there's the Gappa, Gappa, yeah. but that's but like you've got no you've got no like Akira Ifukube Godzilla theme, right? Be like Daimajin theme, even or know? like you know, in, in the Gamera series, you had the Gamera, yeah. Gamera. I mean, I guess you kind of have the Gappa thing, but it's at the very end. And the thing about it is, yeah, specifically in this this first rampage, I remember David Callet brought up in his commentary for Ghidorah the Three Headed Monster. He said when he watched the film on his eight millimeter Ken Films version when he was a kid, there is no audio. And it was funny watching the kaiju fight because there was no audio, there was no music. Mm. If a kube is what made those scenes powerful. Right. The score was Godzilla's voice. If a kube created Godzilla's roar and quite literally created the voice for Godzilla. Yeah. The music is what gives the scene weight. And that's something mm. I'm I'm trying to do in my short film is it's very audio based. That's where a lot of the the feeling of what I want in that short film is coming from is that audio. Mm. In this rampage sequence, there's not a lot of music to create this atmosphere, to create this this image of this is the eradication of these people. Which it is. They all yeah. die. Except for the little boy. Right. But you it's just kind of there. It just kinda happens. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's also an American submarine there with like 
a captain who was very clearly not played by an American. Which is really weird. I was like, okay, where did the United States Navy come from? Why are they here? Yeah. Are we going to... I'm pretty sure that... Are they, are they even... Do they even show up again? I don't think they nope, do. They don't. They, <laughs> they, they disappear, and then suddenly a Japanese individual has the boy. Yeah. And it's like, or, okay. Oh, no, no. It's an American guy who has is the boy. It a, is it an American? Yeah. His name is... Do- his, his name is literally Dr. McDonald. Oh, <laughs> he's the one character i remember the name of hmm see because i don't I even remember him. him like he's the one who brings the boy <laughs> yeah i don't remember what he does outside of that he he stands there he's a background character he literally is he's like in the car for a couple scenes says almost nothing probably nothing after his introduction <laughs> So yeah, and, and the boys is transported to Japan, even though he's in a United States Navy submarine. That yeah. feels a little weird. Also, the submarine definitely doesn't feel like a submarine. It definitely looks like a a regular house, regular regular room, with the one sequence we get in it where the boy's sitting in the bed. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like mm, this doesn't look like a submarine. And then from here, don't we move back to, I mean, we, we jump back to Japan where we, yeah. we get some animal cruelty and whatnot with yep. Gappa <laughs> and the, the CEO and him losing, fa- his daughter losing faith in him and and the... Uh, uh, that's a little bit later, I think. Okay. And then we have uh, the development of our photographer having a love triangle with the professor and the reporter. Right. And then hers being upset with them a little later on because of their personal goals they're trying to make with this. Because, because they actually, they actually do their jobs. Right. And she's like sympathetic for the gappas, uh, for like the baby gappa, which is fine, but like, there's nothing to it. <laughs> right. It, it's very much like, okay. Yeah. Um, but don't worry. Shortly enough, soon enough, the two adult gappers emerge at, like, uh, was it Hanada Airport or near that area? Or no, that's later. That's time. later. That's way later. Yeah, that's the end. But yeah, they, they emerge, uh, you know, uh, from the ocean and uh, attack a city. So you get some classic kaiju action, of course. But you also kind of see that the the effects are kind of... They're they're not the best. They're definitely Mm. not on par with Daie or Toho. I don't think they're terribly far... I'd say they're fairly close to Daie. Not not Toho, I'll agree, but I don't think they're far off from Daie. I would still say they're a step down from Daie. Mm, I'd have to rewatch some of. I'd have to rewatch more of the Gamera films. Um, but I I still thought this was a pretty fun sequence. This is probably out of the kaiju scenes. This is probably like my favorite sequence in the film. And you definitely get some Godzilla vibes here. I think this is where we've yes, moved from. Yes. Especially when the tanks show up and yes. like 
that when the gappa one of the gappas shoots its atomic breath at the tanks and like the fire on the tanks that's literally just that looks like the shot from king kong vs godzilla yes and <laughs> it, it's kind of interesting so we went from king kong to king kong versus godzilla to gorgo back to godzilla um mm-hmm. and like i said the whole opening also feels very much like uh gamera versus mm-hmm. barugan um yeah so you know are... even later even later in the sequence uh after after destroying the city they kind of uh, the gappers take flight because um, they not only are they aquatic, but they also have wings. They're trifibian. Um, so they land aquatic in sea. Yeah, trifibian monster. Um, so they go to a t- castle and attack it. And I swear, um, and w- meanwhile, they're also attacked by jets. So like the shot of the jets, that looks, the way that shot looks like 54. Mm-hmm. Um, and But then you even get like, I swear they... Did a homage to King Kong vs. Godzilla with the two gappers, um, like clawing at the building, at the castle. Sorry, one on each side of it. I don't remember. Maybe, mm. cause like they approach the castle. One of them starts destroying it, and then the other comes on the so one's on the right side, and the other comes from the left side as well, and starts destroying it. I, I feel felt, like I remember that now. Yeah. So I'm like, is that is that a King Kong vs. Godzilla homage? <laughs> I I mean, either way, again, feeling like I've seen it before, you know? Right. Whether or not it's a homage. Now, also during all of this, isn't it kind of shot at night, like a like a dusk? So it's all kind of yeah. dark and Yeah, I mean, it kind of looks a bit day for night-ish. A little bit. Uh, at least at least on at least when they're at the castle. The the city looks fine. It's just the castle that looks more day for night ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, it doesn't it doesn't help that the set also you see the edges of set as well. Yeah, and like <laughs> quite multiple l- times. Yeah, like in every shot you see the end of the set. Mm-hmm. Um, and you even see the roof. Oh, can you? Yeah, you see the roof at least twice. Ah, fair enough. And at the end of this, isn't this where when they go into the lake, there's the flood? Um, yeah, not yet, I don't think. I think that's a bit later when it floods. Okay. Because, I mean, this this sequence does last for a solid couple minutes. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's more or less like the big extended rampage of the film. But it's a little bit later, obviously, but... This is the main one, I'd say. Right, but also during this, I I was like, wait, where's our main characters? Like, what? <laughs> how how are they impacted by this? Why? Like, it almost feels like nothing happens. To mm-hmm. like, I mean, granted, they get drawn in to like help with the solution for no reason, but mm-hmm. it it really see, does feel like there's no weight to them during this rampage yeah you see i feel like that's an issue because um like for me up until this point i was like actually quite enjoying this film for the most part i thought it was pretty pretty fun uh you know just a pretty fun bit of like 80 minute kaiju run right and then sort of after this because this is about at the hour mark after this sequence it kind of just becomes increasingly obvious how little the characters are actually contributing to the film 
that I just kind of got bored with it <laughs> a little from this point. Like I kind of was starting to, my interest was waning. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I, I was kind of like, okay, I'm a little bored now. Yeah, I, I got my fill with that <laughs> rampage. <laughs> and so, you know, I, like, I don't know. And, and Death Cap, I think, had the, had the same issue for me where, like, once you have too much uh, kaiju action, it, it does definitely get a little bland. I don't think it's necessarily that this was too much. I just think that I just don't think the actual plot of this film is interesting enough. It could be that. And I think another part of it too is just like the lack of scale. The la- like something that I appreciate about uh Toho and I think Dae does this as well is their kaiju movies definitely have scale. Like you can definitely yeah. tell they're trying to oh, be especially big. Toho. Um, whereas Gappa, they they clearly have an issue of like trying to create scale. Um, when the they Gappa sh- they shoot too high up, yes, uh, they shoot too high up too often and too close. Because yeah. throughout the entirety of this film, you're pretty much on a close up of the Gappa. Especially, I mean, their introduction is as as much as I think that introduction is really cool. It it worked. In terms of scale, it works. But it would work better for like a smaller monster, you know, one right. that's like maybe only like five meters tall, you know, not something that's supposed to be sixty. Right. No, I agree, and and I I they also have an issue of not having a foreground and background, like creating that depth and that scale. That's another issue I think they have I, in in the in certain shots. Yeah, I think like some of the wide shots um, for like when they're attacking like the castle area. I mean, frankly, I think that set's just too empty during the castle bit. Yes, because like the city stuff looks pretty good, but that castle, it's the castle, and then it's just mostly like a plain, like grassy area, slightly mountainous, I guess, a little, mm-hmm. but like. Otherwise, mostly a plain area. So I think I think that's part of the issue there as well. I agree. Yeah. So you know, it just it doesn't really work for me. Like the the kaiju stuff in this movie. I think the gap will look cool, and I like the lighting. But I mean, during the sequence, I I honestly felt the most disconnected from the rest. Hmm. Once this sequence started, I kind of started losing interest. Mm. Um, For me, it wasn't until after this Rampage sequence that I was losing interest. Because, so the Rampage sequence ends with the Flood, correct? Um, or I'm pretty sure it's the next Rampage that has the Flood. Yeah, it's the next Rampage okay. that has the Flood. So after this sequence, we were back to our human characters and the splitting of the daughter with the CEO. And the splitting of the photographer with the reporter and the professor, correct? Yeah, because she's like, you know, I, you guys are too interested in your own careers uh, and not in the, the, the baby gapper. So I, I, I don't love either of you anymore. Right. I'm sorry. And it's, I feel like this is an example of how the script could have used a bit more work the thing i like about uh like what shinichi sekizawa and uh uh what 
Kimura did for their their Toho stuff is everything did not fall into place at the same time. It was something that, you know, events had to transpire for things to fall into place. Um, Whereas here, it feels like everything just happens. Like it's, it's the plot has to move along. So the plot moves along. Yeah. It doesn't really feel like anything's actually developing in terms of like this, like love triangle, things like that. It's just happening. Right. There's there's no action to cause a reaction. The love triangle happen it, it it begins, it happens, it ends, it comes back. The the little yeah. girl and her dad, it is established, it ends, it comes back. The gappa, they it's established, it happens, a reaction does happen there. But mm-hmm. then the reaction happens like three times until something occurs to end the stuff. Yeah. Like it, it the the script is very much a beat for beat. This happens, this happens, this happens, this happens. It's not right. this happens, so this happens. It, it's it's just we ha- we have to get from point A to point B. Yeah. Which I wasn't a huge fan of. And at and from this point, the human characters are boring. They are boring. Yes. I don't care. I'm done. Like, <laughs> please get to the end of the movie. I think I did check the runtime to see. Okay, I have about yeah, forty yeah, minutes. This was actually where I checked the runtime as well. I think oh, no, that was like twenty minutes. Is it twenty minutes? Because yeah. it's it's an hour. This was an hour in the film in an eighty-five minute film. Okay, that's right. Yeah, so there's thirty cut. minutes. There's about thirty minutes left, right? Uh, in the American cut. Okay. See, I watched the Japanese oh, version, which is only so a did I. little longer. Um, no, it's actually shorter. Is it? Yeah, it's eighty-five minutes, so hour twenty-five. Oh. <laughs> so okay, now I'm confused. So we're gonna we're, we need to put a pause. And so I watched the Media Blasters Blu-ray, which is the original Japanese version right. with the international dub. Now, the international dub skips over one line at the end of the movie. Everything else is dubbed. Okay. So to my understanding, the American cut was shorter. No, the American cut actually has uh, some extended special effects scenes. Oh, does it? Yeah, because there's footage that was deleted from the Japanese cut that's put in, put back into the American cut, I believe. So maybe that's why I don't really recall the second Rampage as much. Maybe? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've only watched the Japanese version, so... Okay. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> well, now I'm going to have to watch the American version. <laughs> which I do have. I have the original Media Blasters DVD, which has both cuts, and then I've got yeah. the Blu-ray, which has just the Japanese version with the English dub. Right, yeah. Um. Okay. Well, there's something new. It's got a Mothra versus Godzilla situation going on. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. So, Except I don't think it's like a full like original scene. I think it's just extended, like, extended version of a Rampage, I guess. Gotcha. So, you know, the our human characters have their, like, this is over moment across the board. And then aren't they called in to help figure out what to do? 
Yeah, yeah. The kid is also like reintroduced for some reason when like uh, Mister McDonald shows up, right? And he's like, Gappa needs to go back to parents. Yeah, Send Gappa which is home. All he says in the entire film, basically, is Gappa go home. Gappa, Gappa, yeah. Gappa. He's the Kenny of this film. He is the Kenny of this film. But it also like. One thing I do appreciate is he doesn't know everything. He just seems to know one thing and sticks to that. Yeah. And when but he I don't does really care because he's annoying. This is true. But like <laughs> the one moment where he does know something and it's very meta because they're like, "Well, how do you know this?" He's like, "Well, this is what I was told. I have been told this." Yeah. Which is nice because usually it's just like, "Oh, the kid knows everything." We're just going to go with I it. I mean, you really don't need that line of dialogue here because, like, you could kind of just infer that the kid was, like, taught by the, like, whoever other people in the village told him about it. You can kind of infer that anyways. What's the island's name one more time? It's really weird. Uh, obelisk. The ob- Obeliskans? <laughs> they never call them that in the film. I just I, I just say Obelisk Islanders. Be probably better. But that sounds weird. Okay. The obliquins. Anyways, uh, the military works with the scientists and all that to come up with a plan. I don't know how the reporter, comic relief, or the photographer play into it. But they're there. They're just there. Yeah. They're there because uh, they, they have, have to, to be. be. Yeah. Oh, look at that. We said, <laughs> oh, wow. Look at that. We're on the same wavelength. Yeah. Yeah, they send like some boats down with uh like it's like uh massive speak with like speakers. Um they're to, like, like me on the way to Shin Common Rider. Yes. Yes, yeah. yeah. They they think the boats and they have high frequency sounds to That's right. Yeah. To to just like annoy the gappers into leaving the water. They should have just played the movie. It probably would have worked by this point. <laughs> So yeah, the gappers uh, emerge from the water, the weird puppets and all. And so, yeah, the military tries shooting them uh, with various missiles and all that. And it does and not then, work. And then the gappers flood the city. Which looks awful. It, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's on par with Godzilla Raids again. The flooding <laughs> is on par with a 10-year-old movie at this point. Oh, God. 12-year-old at this point. This is true. And... Um, Following this, they're like, the only thing that we can do is give the baby Gappa back. Yeah. And and then everybody just, I mean, the CEO guy kind of disappeared at this point, if I remember correctly. Like, he has this whole thing with his daughter, and then he just kind of disappears until the end. Yeah, because that's where he tries to, um, that's where he tries to, um, he wants to keep the baby Gappa. Right. And it's arguing with him. I mean, there's a little bit earlier before that where he's, um, like, torturing the baby gapper, but it doesn't amount to much. Yeah. So from here, the rest, the, the rest of the movie is basically the characters turning from let's research and keep the baby gapper to let's get the baby gapper back. Yeah. And... If this was a typical Showa Kaiju movie, the kids would be the leading source, but I feel like they're basically sidelined at this point as well. Mm-hmm. I honestly, at this point, I feel like no character really matters. I don't think there's any reason to really have the daughter. No, the daughter's just there to 
give the CEO a humanistic side, I guess. I guess. <laughs> Honestly, at this point, you could cut out all but like two of these characters in, in the yeah, film would pretty be, much. And the film would, would really not change a whole lot. Pretty much, yeah. I forgot to bring up earlier that there's this weird lore established that when you put a pole to, near Gappa, he creates electricity. Oh yeah. They they don't do anything with it. It's like it's it's a line yeah. and they're done. I forgot about that. Yeah. And I think Just it has it mattered. And I'm pretty sure it does nothing. Like it it's never brought back. It's never like we can't touch it because it has electricity. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> this movie has a lot of throwaway lines and whatnot that really don't matter. Yeah. Um yeah, so they sort of airlift uh they airlift the baby to Hunetta Airport. Um meanwhile the gappers are still on their rampage through uh throughout Tokyo, I suppose. And then they end up at an airport, right? Yeah. Haneda Airport, yeah. And the baby gap is there, but the baby gap is too quiet. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because you'd think like just just assuming assuming here that that it's going to be semi animalistic the baby's cries would be able to be heard by the parents no matter how loud or quiet they are uh, i don't know i don't know i f- i feel like it's believable enough okay i i, I don't know i i don't necessarily I feel agree, it's believable but it it brings a great moment to recall back to king kong versus godzilla where they're like, let's connect the speakers and play the sound over the st- the sound system. Except it's. I mean, the- I got King Kong vs. Godzilla vibes from them airlifting the baby. Oh, that's right, they did. Also, <laughs> the baby grows, and nobody really talks about yes. it. Yes, I, I mean they mention the scientist does mention that it's growing. To be fair, but like, it in this so in when it was in his cage, it was like maybe like maybe like. 10, 20 meters, something like that. Because that's about how big his cage is. Probably like not even 10 meters, honestly. Um, but then when it, in this, at this end sequence, it's got to be like at least 40 meters because it's like two thirds the height of like the uh, the adult gappers and the male one's like 60 meters. Right. So. <laughs> and so they, they let. Once again, scale is off. This was probably the most obvious scene where the scale was off. Yes. This ending. <laughs> so the the ga- baby gap is there. They hook up all the sound systems. They get the mother gappa and the father gappa to get to the baby gappa, and everybody's happy. And, and the gappa fly off, and then the reporter and the professor are standing there. And this is where the beginning of this movie ages horribly. Not even an hour <laughs> later. I'm pretty sure, like, it's less than an hour where this is established. (laughs) So the photographer comes up and says, well, I quit my job. I'm going to marry an office man. I'm going to be a stay-at-home mother, and I'm going to tend to children. And have some babies, like any woman should. (laughs) And, And then she walks off, and in Kevin Bacon style... Uh, the pref- the professor who would be Fred Ward from Tremors tells Kevin Bacon's character, the reporter, that he shouldn't let her go. And he walks up 
<laughs> and they walk off into the sunset. And the Gappa fly off into the sunset and the the theme song plays. And yeah. we're left to question why we just went through a whole movie and really had no characters develop and had nothing really of substance. Mm-hmm. This movie has no substance. Yeah. But feel, that Aquafa female character is pretty funny. It's hilarious how awful it is. <laughs> so, yeah, that's yeah, no, you're right. The characters are nothing in this film. So that's Gappa. <laughs> yes, the Trifibian monster. Arguably, monsters really. This is true. This is probably, honestly, like it's not awful. Like, I don't hate this movie. I don't mind it. It's just not really good. No, it's 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 cannon fodder to the kaiju ega, I feel like, of the sixties. Right, yeah. I feel I like think the the designs are cool. And like there's some cool shot there's some cool cinematography uh here and there. Like there's you can get some really nice looking screenshots from this movie, believe me, I know. But um Outside of that, it's not much really to it. <laughs> right. And, like, there was never a sequel. Um, there was a rumored Gappa versus Gulala, the monster from the X from Outer Space movie, Shochiku was right. producing. But that has since come out to be false. That was just right, simply rumors. Yeah. However, Nikatsu in the 90s did think about remaking Gappa. Um, mm-hmm. obviously like nothing came of it. It seems like it was just talks and it, it ended, but mm. Gappa did appear as like some stock footage and some other movies and whatnot. Um, yeah. I mean, that's probably because, uh, a lot of, uh, people think that monster from a prehistoric planet is copyright free. Correct. Just like the American versions of, of Gamera and whatnot. Yeah. Um, a lack of a copyright notice in the AI TV versions made people believe these are uh, public domain, which led, I think it's been riffed on mystery science theater 3000. I wouldn't be surprised. I think you're right. I think you're right. It definitely feels like if, if the gamma films were this, this could definitely be put yeah. up. I as mean, I well. know young Gary was as well. Yes. So I, <sighs> I don't think I'm going to rewatch Gappa anytime soon. I, I'm trying to think yeah. of how I would summarize this movie. I mean, the bu- the budget for this it's movie... It's good for background. It's good for background. Um, the budget for this movie clearly hadn't uh, created issues for it. It has ambition, but the story is so lacking that it just kind of is there. And that makes yeah. sense for why it's there, because... And this is where I'm going to segue into our casting crew. Uh, I mentioned earlier that the co-writers were Gan Yamazaki and Ryuzu Nakashini, Nakanishi, Nakanishi, who uh, co-wrote The War in Space, which I'm pretty sure we had. I had the same issue with. It just kind of ends. I've never seen it. (laughs) The War in Space. Yeah, I've never seen it. Oh wait. Oh, sorry. I thought you said warning from space. No, the war in sorry. space. My bad. My bad. I, I mis- was like, I uh, <laughs> yeah. didn't, did we not just cover that movie like a month sorry, ago? I misheard you. <laughs> um, I misheard you. 
But no, I feel like I had the same issue with the war in space because it just ended. Like there was plot problems throughout the, the entire film. Um, that just kind of led to it not being as grandiose as I thought it should have been. We, I, right. I said that was probably because it was rushed, but now I'm wondering if it's just the writer doesn't know what he's doing entirely. Could be both. Could be both. And we also dodged a bullet because he was working on King of Monsters, Resurrection of Godzilla, which was a, a Jun Fukuda scrapped Godzilla movie from oh. 1977. Um, that oh, would, yeah, that's right. That right, would yeah. morph into what would become Godzilla in 1984. Right, yeah. Um, it's funny you brought, uh, mentioned uh, Warning from Space because the composer Sitaro Amori actually did the music that's... for Warning from Space. And I, then... knew, I knew Warning from Space had some connection to this. I, I knew I read that somewhere. And then <laughs> he also did... Uh, the score for one of Dae's ghost story movies, Depth of Kasane, which I've definitely heard of before. I just don't remember what's so relevant about that one, but I know that uh, I've heard of that one before. Mm -hmm. um, we already brought up the director of special effects, Akira Watanabe, that basically worked on every Toho science fiction uh, movie from uh, Godzilla 54 up until uh, Monster Zero. He also right. worked on Ultra Q and was co-director of special effects on Kenji Fukusaku's The Green Slime. Yeah. Um, the voice studio behind this, uh, the uh, dubbing studio for the English uh, language track for this was uh, from William Ross, who uh, had people such as uh, Burr Middleton, uh, Middleton uh, Carol... Didn't Robert Dunham also? Robert appear? Dunham, Cliff Harrington, <laughs> Carol Wyland. All these actors we've seen, uh, Robert Dunham was actually in Godzilla vs. Megalon, and all the yeah. people in... And Dogura. And Dogura. Um, all of the people in the dubbing studio you've probably heard on other... Uh, was this... For other uh, dubs that AI, uh, AIP specifically put out? Um, yeah. Or just those standard... I'm trying to remember the company that... that Frontier? Frontier. Frontier, yeah. Um, the Frontier dubcast that did... Mm -hmm. uh, they I did, mean, William Ross was in War in Space as well. He was. Uh, William Ross was... Uh, he was like the the doctor... The, the one that gets in, the, imposter, the imposter. Yep, and he was in Warning from Space as the general, uh, if I remember correctly. Again, haven't seen it. <laughs> Message from space? Oh, I thought you said warning from Did space. Did I say warning? You'll have to check. Yes. Yes. I, you meant, said warning I meant message from space. You, okay. Okay. Now you're just trying to trick me. Uh huh. Now you're just trying to trick me. Um, William Ross, who also was the director for the dubbing for this film. Yeah. He was in message from space as a general. Uh, I don't remember his name, but I'm pretty sure that was him, right? No, that was a different actor. But William Ross was in Message from Space. And William Ross also did some voice work for The Last Dinosaur, which was one of our uh, first movies we covered. Mm -hmm. As for our uh, actors, a lot of the actors in this movie did nothing Toku-related. Um, but we did have yeah, Tamiyo. Most of them, I think, were in some of the director's other films. I yes. Think. Like, like Yoko Yamamoto. And uh, a lot of them also did like the your Nikatsu pornos a lot of them did stray cat rock series is that nikatsu who did that i'm pretty sure it was nikatsu that did that one yeah uh, those 
I need to watch those movies purely because of Makokaji. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you did have Tamio Kawichi, who is in Battle Without Honor or Humanity. Um, I just wanted to mm-hmm. list that one because I think that's a very uh, famous Japanese film. He was in yeah. Sony Chiba's The Bullet Train. He also ended up being in Ultraman Tiga as the right. uh, head of Guts. That was Guts, right? Um, the... um, yes, yes, Guts. And then would later appear in Ultraman Dina and Ultraman Tiga, the final odyssey, the movie for Tiga, and then appeared in Superior Ultraman 8 Brothers. Yoko That's Yamamoto cool. was in Blade of the Immortal, the Takashi Miike film. Yeah. Um, Zenji Yamada was in Kamen Rider and Kamen Rider V3 in a few episodes. Oh, that's um, cool. You had Kokan Katsura, who was in Blind Woman's Curse in an episode of Ultraman Taro. Speaking of Blind Woman's Curse, the producer uh, who we brought up earlier uh, was the producer on Blind Woman's Curse and also apparently was a producer on Godzilla, the series Monster Wars, the video game. Yeah, at least according <laughs> to his IMDb. I, I don't know if that's accurate or not, but, but that was like a, a kind of like a, okay, that's kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, hey, man, I respect it. And then finally, from our actors, the only person left that had any other tokusatsu credits was Sanpei Mine, um, who was in The Invisible Avenger. and. Uh, Akira uh, Kurosawa's Seven Samurai. Actually, mm. I did forget to bring up one person. Um, uh. Mike Danning. Mikey Danning, who, get this, was in quite a few, kai, uh, was in a very select few kaiju movies, but he might hold a trophy that no other actor does. He was in really? Shochiku's The X from Outer Space. Obviously, he was in Nikatsu's Gappa, the Triphibian Monster, Toei's Terror from Beneath the Sea, and Shochiku's Genocide, but he was also in Toho's Rodan. So he might oh. be the only actor to be in a kaiju movie from Toho, Nikatsu, and Shochiku. Huh. Interesting. Unfortunately, he couldn't get in a Daiei film. But damn, that would have been perfect. He might be the Lance Hendrickson of of kaiju <laughs> actors. So with that, I'm kind of out of things to bring up when it comes to Gappa. Um, yeah, um, yeah, that's about all the notes I had as well. So, I I I guess we will have a uh, list at the end of this month, as we like to do uh, lists for our themed months, um, for our like favorite to least favorite film. Mm-hmm. So currently, Gap is sitting at my number one, but same. <laughs> I, I but it's also sitting at the bottom. Yeah, so I, I we'll see what happens um, as as time progresses, but I, I definitely don't think Gap is going to. Continue. I do not think it's going to be number one. No, I, I feel like Gappa, I would be I would be in shock if it was at number one. Likewise, so <laughs> I feel like we're 
we're to the point where the only thing left we can really do is is tell the lovely people where they can find us if they loved listening to us for the last two hours complain about Gappa. All righty. Sounds good to me. So I'm going to let you go ahead and start us off, Rex. Where can the people find you at? Well, you can find me on YouTube, at Rexino, on Twitter, at Rex underscore Xenomorph. And on Instagram at Rex underscore Xeno, although I think that account's hacked. Oopsie. <laughs> I'll worry about that problem later. <laughs> um, and then also you can check out my writing on the Tokusatsu Network. Alrighty, as for me, you can find me on YouTube at ET13Productions, on Twitter at ET13Productions, or on Instagram at ET13Productions. If you want to find my other personal accounts, it's not very hard, but I'm not going to link them. And with that, we're going to wrap things up here, but we always got to do what you can do to support our podcast. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. That boosts our ratings and helps us get recommended to more people just like you. We have been review bombed and we're sitting at a 3.1, but I feel like with how in detail we went with Gappa, we, we, we should get at least one five-star. So if you guys could leave us a five-star, that'd be great. If you don't have an Apple device, which I don't blame you, I, I don't. That's actually very much a lie. <sighs> the script says that I have to let you know that I use a MacBook to do this podcast um, and edit. I, I do a little editing on the podcast. It's mostly Rex, but I do some editing, and I, I use a MacBook to do that. So that's a lie, but you can rate us on Spotify. That is not a lie. If you want to stay up to date with all things Kaiju Conversation related, you can follow us on Twitter at K-A-I-J-U underscore C-O-N-V-E-R-S. If you don't have Twitter, you can follow us on Instagram or like us on Facebook. If you're like me before podcasting and you don't have any social media, lucky you. You can email us at kaijuconversation at gmail.com, all lowercase, all one word, you know the drill. And as always, we'll read your reviews on air for everyone to hear. We also have a Teespring store. Eventually, we'll have original artwork, but until then, you can sport our awesome logo on a t-shirt or maybe even on a coffee mug. If you'd like to chat with us one-on-one -on -one or other people that have similar interests to you, check out our Discord server. Recently, there was a conversation about... Let's see here. What do we have in our lovely Discord server? Um, we were actually talking about Zombie Self-Defense Force because I brought up that I was watching it. So it's a great community full of great people. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell so you can be notified anytime we upload a video. Sometimes we post exclusives to the channel like bloopers for episodes or minisodes talking about news or other subjects. We also have an interview with Mechagodzilla designer Jared Kruchevesky on the channel. I probably butchered his name and I... I I deeply apologize for that. And a huge thanks to Rex for editing all of these episodes and all the other content we upload. His links can be found in the description below. Definitely check him out. Along with Rex, we'd like to give a huge thanks and shout out to Danny DeManna of the Godzilla Novelization Project for his amazing vocals on our theme song. You can support him by following him on Twitter at Danzilla93 underscore GNP or visit his website, GodzillaNovelizationProject.com. And a huge thanks to Grattan Conwell from the podcast Giant Monster BS for composing the music for our theme song. 
You can support him by following the podcast on Twitter at GiantMonsterBS or on any podcast platform under the name GiantMonsterBS. And with that, we're going to wrap things up here. So thank you guys so much for listening to us ramble on about GAPA and how much it didn't really bring to the table on any front. <laughs> I had to get a jab. You know, I, I always have to loop back around to, oh, yeah. to having the jabs. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I spiral back into our same old jokes. It's over. It's over. It's over. See, I told I you really... I had to bring it back. Nerd. And I found a way to bring the ring joke back. Look at that. I bet you thought I forgot about doing that. I bet you were like, man. I was really hoping. You were like, man, we're not going to have a ring uh, reference. And then here we are in the last few Finally. minutes. Boom. You can't escape it. Why do you do this to me? Because Godzilla versus Kong exists, and it's an awful movie. What? <laughs> What that have to do with it? <laughs> I just had to bring up the fact that Godzilla vs. Kong is an awful movie. I mean, you're not wrong. And with that, I've actually achieved all of our typical uh, shticks when it comes to these episodes. So now it's been a full Kaiju Conversation episode. So mm. with that, I can officially say thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Rex, for dealing with my insanity here and... With that, we're going to remind you guys to please remember, life's too short to not talk big. Bye, guys. Bye. We are set. We are in debt. There's nothing to sweat. Life's too short now, baby. Kaiju, baby. And you will too now, baby.